stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! What do you mean I can't get a swap on this Mikatarian jersey? Welcome back to Motorsport. Has anyone one. seen my car? <laughs> <laughs> Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 100 and... Let's say 19. Am I right here, people? King, give me a team. Yes, it, it is 119. I didn't fuck it up. Good. Right. Although, <laughs> due, due to new behind-the-scenes things, we don't know this might be 119 or 120, Dre. So... <laughs> Uh, like I, I, I firmly, bl squarely put the blame for this on RJ O'Connell. It was his idea to split this episode up. It is, it is, <laughs> it's his fault. Whoa, whoa! I'm pretty so sure this was my idea. <laughs> oh, good. Let's <laughs> see. That's, you're taking one for the team here already, King. Good man. Um, <laughs> yes. Welcome to either episode 119 or 120 of Motorsport 101, depending on when we decide to release these. Um, see, it rolls right off the tongue. Um, <laughs> Uh, as we mentioned on our Patreon page earlier this year, we did say that if we had a severely stacked set list, we'd try and split the show into all easy-to-manage chunks. This is the first of those occasions. So, you know, thanks for listening to whether this show or the one that came before it. Um, just to break the four-four, just a little bit here, episodes 119 and 120 were the same taping session, just as a point of reference. Thumbs up. Right. <laughs> With me, we have a whopping, well, I would say panel. It's more like like a party at this point of five people <laughs> for both of these segments. Well, five for one, four for the other. You'll see what I mean. Hopefully, we won't be able to edit out the difference this time. <laughs> oh, my God. But... <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, reference but, to, to you know who. Oh, you, you have no idea who I'm talking about. The viewers are going to be completely in the dark. Um, right, as I was saying, we have a stacked panel on this on this week's show. As usual, Mr. Ryan King. Hello, sir. Yes, great to be here. Uh, so sad that your that your New England Patriots are in the Super Bowl this year, Dre. So sad. <laughs> Listen, listen, somebody has to play spoiler. Like, it, it, if it was anybody else, it wouldn't be anywhere near as satisfying. So you, we have, you have to have the villain there. It's how all good stories work, okay? It's how all good stories work. And you, like, listen, if the Eagles win, it'll be that much greater. Think about it. Nah. Uh, I, I, I love the enthusiasm from the rest of the room here, thinking that, oh, yeah, like the, the Patriots are absolutely not going to cakewalk this, apparently. I, I'm like the one paranoid New England fan now. All right, and everyone was just telling me like, "Oh, Dre, like it's 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 the Patriots, it's Brady, they'll find a way to win." And I was sitting there going, "Guys, I'm nervous." And then I was like, "Shut up, Dre." Yeah, <laughs> just, just just cue excited Dre from the next episode. <laughs> that may or may not be a thing. Probably will be. Hopefully, will be. <laughs> uh, representing Tennessee as always, Mr. R.J. O'Connell. Hello, sir. Hello, hello. Thank you very much. Uh, in case you missed it, I, I still don't have my car. Getting your car stolen sucks. Getting your car stolen while you're at home taking a nap with your garage door open and realizing that you've left the keys in the car, Ooh. very bad thing as well. 
But nonetheless, we will we will persevere through this episode. Although although I'm, I'm I can't take anybody out for like snacks during during the intermission. Oops. Sad face. Sad face. We'll get your car back, RJ, one way or another. We will scour the state of Tennessee, of Nashville, Tennessee. We'll fi- we'll finally get this done. Right as usual, our super sub is in for the episode. Zoe, hello, Zoe. All the snow is gone. I'm uh, sad. Un- unfortunately, you, um, you, like you took all of it for that. But the one day I wanted to watch rugby, <laughs> it's not. I, 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 I still, I, I still find it utterly amazing that Scotland cancelled a rugby game because there was too much snow. <laughs> that, like, you, that is amazing. <laughs> you couldn't see any footprints or anything from the girls when they'd done their warm up. By the time they said, yeah, we're cancelling it. <laughs> the best it was one of the Spanish coaches sort of was looking going like, I have never seen so much snow in my life. And then he sort of paused and went, I had never seen snow before. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the second I was joking or not, but still. The joys of living in Spain, everybody. Uh... <laughs> And finally, we have a special guest for this for this first segment or second segment. I'm not quite sure which one I'm going to call it yet. We'll have to wait and see. But she's she's actually got written stuff on Autosport now, and that's really cool. So, hey, Katie Fairman's back, everybody! Yay! <laughs> Hello, I have a car, and I don't have snow. And apart from that, I don't really have anything else to say. <laughs> <laughs> she's fit that's, right in, everybody. Yeah, that's, that's my introduction. <laughs> Katie yep. Fairman's written works can be found on katiefairman.com as well. Yes, yep. everybody takes the piss out of me for that domain. Literally, wherever I go, they're like, are you Katie Fairman from katiefairman.com? <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere. Saying, oh, God, I've heard the editor of katiefairman.com is a total bitch. Or, Just be glad that you didn't let your own domain lapse and then get taken over by some adult entertainment company. Because Whoa! <laughs> but what? the less said about that, the better. Yeah, I My life is just one hilarious Ladies and gentlemen, this is the greatest intro in the history of this podcast. Undisputedly <laughs> number one. Like, oh my god. I'm such I'll, a mess. <laughs> You're the mess. You, <laughs> whoa! I think you might you might be the sane one out of the five of us here. Like, oh god, that's a lot of responsibility. I don't like that. <laughs> like, it's like, listen, as a guy that used to own the the domain Harrison101.com, I never had that problem personally. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, that that is very much a thing. Before we get into the uh, nitty gritty of this episode of the podcast, let's have a quick run through where we're at. As always, you'll find our website, motorsport101.net. A whole heap of blog content has gone up there in the last week, including more episodes of me painfully watching the Grand Tour, although not so much painfully because last episode was friggin' amazing. And I highly recommend you go out of your way to see it. The Audi versus Lancey of segment is tremendous. Well worth 20 minutes of your time. Um, and RJ wrote a fantastic piece about about the conflicting comments that came from Hass F1's team about, you know, American race car drivers. And, you know, RJ just like, basically decided to basically, you know, have it out via our blog. And it was very, very good. And <laughs> so check that out if you haven't already. Um, we're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101 as well. If you haven't seen it, I put a new Dre brief out there earlier this week. 
on Williams and, well, their hot mess. More about that later. It's called God Bless This Williams Mess, and for good reason, because it was quite messy. Um, see what I did there. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. And if you want to follow us personally on Twitter, deep breath, we are at Harrison 101 HD, at Ryan Eric King, that's your two Ks, at we Zoe at RJ O'Connell and at Katie Fairman. I think it's is it Katie Fairman that no numbers on the end of it? I think it is, right? Yeah, I managed to bag that one nice and early, so just Katie Fairman. Sweet. Whoop, whoop. I still haven't got that problem yet. <laughs> Some guy still has Harrison 101 tied down. It's very disappointing. Uh, <laughs> you tell him. Right. <laughs> and if you really, really, really like us, you can back us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash modus. 101 five plus gets you early access to both this show and bike live which we had a brand episode come out the day as we were recording this funnily enough yesterday we reached an episode called rise and volga talking about the uh, very sad news that Jonas volga won't be in moto gp this upcoming season and basically herve poncherel trying to pull his hair out trying to find a replacement that'll be back next week and now i'm most likely talking about all the stuff that came out of the sapang test which is going on well this weekend pretty much so yeah that should be fun um and yeah if you really 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 like us if you back us at ten dollars you can now join our discord server and listen to this show as it goes out and recording straight off the cutting room floor may the good lord help you (laughs) you don't want to be here (laughs) you don't want that as bad as you think trust me um (laughs) um so yeah, that will just about do it. Let's get into this first segment of the show. And um, King very gratuitously put Autosport International at the top of the list, which I thought was funny. And um, King, are you, are you leaving this one in my safe and noble hands, base? Uh, yeah, yeah, because I wasn't there, obviously. <laughs> no, was I? <laughs> yeah, look, it, 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 it was me and the one that actually worked for Autosport. What a what a shocker. <laughs> <laughs> The one that was obligated to be here and the one that blagged the press boss. Go me. <laughs> so I still I still don't quite know how that how that how that became a thing. But uh yeah, I had a badge on it that says Andre Harrison Motorsport 101, and I'm like, that's me! Like, that's so cool. How is that a thing? <laughs> but um, Do you have the do you have a collection of lanyards somewhere in your room with all of your like press passes and stuff in? I, I, I wish I did, but like I, the only other stuff I've really blagged since was like two appearances at Eurogamer, and they were like wristbands that were made of paper. It's like it, 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 it it's not quite the same, unfortunately. Um, so somehow I don't think I'm going to be invited back after that one. But <laughs> this was back in the days, and they were giving out like media passes to channels that had like a hundred subscribers on YouTube. So the standards weren't exactly what you call high so to hey, speak you could, you could start a little collection going i could i could i'll probably be back next year <laughs> like, <laughs> like, i've got i've got to start somewhere and I, like, i've got to stop actually pretending i'm like some sort of actual guy from the media or something <laughs> like no you I, are i mean you're a big deal my friend stop blowing my ego up here like, <laughs> no 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 literally no no literally just just stop he he won't stop for like a week just just don't give him that hope how dare you make such an accusation yeah like like listen listen people were coming to try and find me do you know how like you know how humbling that is like that is freaking ridiculous 
Um, you sound like you need your own app, like find Dre. <laughs> you don't want that. You, 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 no? you, you don't want that as bad as you think. Trust me. Apparently, <laughs> uh, from photos taken by editor of the show and by my co-host Louis Sutterby, it's uh, spent glaring at Ferrari 2017 cars. Kinda. Yeah. I mean. Uh, like, listen, like, the SF70 just so happened to be there, and I may said some choice words about it in front of the security guards. That's all I, that's all it was, okay? It may or may have not been along the lines of fucking spark plugs. Um, <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't bitter about it. I must say, I, I have to applaud Lewis for the quality of that shot. It is a beauty. Um, it, like, it's the sort of thing you could, like, write an art essay about. Like, just me in a Mercedes cap staring at a ferrari like you can make a hundred different stories out of that basically um i i i've i've got i've got nothing for you on that one (laughs) but uh yeah like it it was it was a fun time and like i must admit like and i don't think i'll be the first person to admit this like i wasn't really there for the cars i was more there to like meet people and stuff because apparently i've got a social life now like apparently only on special occasions, but um, <laughs> but yeah, like that that was a freaking cool experience. I did I did I did the two days there. I was there, I was there on the Friday and the Saturday. Um, many many um, long trips were in, were, were involved in that one. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I I really really enjoyed it. Like the cars were pretty great. I'm not even like, the Ferrari section was awesome in particular. I got to give Ferrari their due on this one. Not only did they have an entire like corner of the floor to themselves but they were letting people that you could get right up close to the cars as long as you didn't touch them you could get right up close to them um and they were very generous with that you know in in, in all fairness to them so I, I gotta i gotta give them a pat on the back for that one that was really cool uh the Peretti stand was there i managed to change a tire like that like that was cool um i was not very good at it <laughs> so i've never been the practical one <laughs> myself but um yeah like they had a lot they had a bunch of the, the the usual set of show cars down there as well which was always nice i had lewis hamilton's car from i think from last season down there as well which was which was nice just to remind me of my bitter disappointment at the way last season played out <laughs> it's like I may or may not have risen an angry fist at it like an old man. <laughs> but um, that was fun. But yeah, getting to meet everybody down there was great. Um, I even bumped into you for a few minutes, Katie. Like... We did. I ran out the media centre to come and find you. But yeah, I didn't get to spend <laughs> as much time with you as I wanted, as I had to run from like A to B. But yeah, it was really good to catch up. Yeah, like you saw me for a whole three minutes, like outside the media centre, trying to charge my phone like a pleb um <laughs> it, it it wasn't my best look i'm not gonna lie but um <laughs> but no like, it's good like you i was mainly there for the social kind of thing as well so but no it was a, a good event i thought i've been there that was my fourth consecutive year at the event so four, jesus yeah i'm gonna try and make it a thing it's it's a good thing to do like at the beginning of the year because you can yeah. sort of evaluate everything you've done since the last show um, and then sort of plan ahead and look at what you've got for the year to come. So, yeah, I'm going to try and make it an annual thing, but we'll see how well that goes. <laughs> see, like, actual j- journalist Katie Fairman's the prepared one around here. Me, I'm just like, oh, I'll figure this out later. <laughs> like, ooh, car. <laughs> but uh, that, that was basically me. But, 
like to um i just want to say a massive massive thank you to everybody that you know made such an effort to come see me like i had an absolute blast and it was only really because of the people that are around me for the entire time like you guys actually wanted to sit down pick my brains about the podcast about motorsport in general and yeah much much banter was had so again shout out to everybody down there i'm gonna try and list everybody Lewis, I know I know you listen to like Lewis Tids. I know you're listening to this. Um, Adam Weller, who I managed to meet down there, was was fantastic. Everyone at Downforce who still remembers me from from when Bike Live was part of the Downforce network, like Scott Woodwiss, who won Downforce's commentator of the year. So well done, Scotty. Um, I know you're listening. Um, cheers, mate. Um, Jake Sanson, obviously. Alex Goldsmith, who was who was hosting said awards, and he, he did a marvelous job. <laughs> the guy can work a stage. Way better than I ever could. Um, Big Mac, Ben McPhillips, who was down there. If you guys guys know Downforce, well, you'll know Big Mac. And again, a tremendous guy. Um, definitely a guy I want to have on this show later in the year. So look look forward to that one because he's, he's a great guy. Even if he, he's a Giants fan and he roasted me over those two lost Super Bowls. Thanks a bunch, Big Mac. I didn't appreciate that one so much. But um, yeah, meeting you was fantastic. Of course, I, get, I got to meet Lewis as well, which was, which made the whole trip. Um, he's 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 a tremendous guy. In case you didn't know, he edits he edits everything we do here as well as me, my co-host on Bike Live as well. And we've like we've been doing this for three and a half years now, and we've never been able to quite get it together where we actually met each other, which is really weird. Like I've met Rebecca James, I think three times now, and like Lewis and Bex has met each other multiple times, but but it's never been us two. It's been very very weird how. That- played out over the years but it's 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 worked out if it finally worked out that i got to meet big mac as well um i'm i'm missing people here and i feel terrible for missing people tom stanley i know is a massive fan of the show we go way back to like king remember this our igp days (laughs) (laughs) yes we did um see i haven't seen him in in face to face in i think three years that that was like the last jury game where we did together at earl's court and that was a blast so Pleasure to see um, Tom again, and um, oh, I'm trying to remember everybody here because, like, I, I, I somehow met a ton of people, and like, like um, Vic and Dom as well, again from Downforce, again lovely, lovely people. Got to meet so many cool guys, and that was what made the trip so worthwhile. So thanks to that, the cars were all right too. <laughs> like they're okay. Also, big shout out to IndyCar UK I met as well down there. Adrian Ricard is great. Um, yeah, the, the road to Indy scene, the, the booth there was one of the best booths on the entire show. It was very, very cool. And I had, I had Jamie Chadwick down there for a good while as well. And yeah, she's pretty yes. nice. Yeah, yeah, she was. She, she was hanging out on there in that booth, and that was awesome. Um, like. Like it was it, like this particular it was it was such a cool posse that I didn't even have time to potentially meet Matt Neal from the BTCC. He was hanging around that booth like all day long, taking selfies like the superstar that he is, and I never got around to it. <laughs> and now that's a real <laughs> shame, considering Matt Neal's probably going to be the face of British touring cars now. <laughs> yeah, because Gordon Jen's gone. <laughs> like, oh, as, as you do. <laughs> Oh, like, I'm not even the touring guy, car guy yesterday, and I was with that. I was just like, "What? <laughs> what the hell just happened?" But um, yeah, it was a fantastic show. Ferrari booth was amazing. The Peretti booth was great. Um, so many supercars. If you want to see some of my pictures, you can follow me. His name's Harrison One Hundred One for some of the pictures we took as well. Oh, and I forgot one big guy as well, Josh Chatil, who I know is a massive fan of this show, and he's been watching my shit. 
years. Um, like I think he's been watching me on YouTube since like 2012. Um, poor guy, I'm really sorry you stuck. I don't know what I don't know what appeals you to this. Like you, you clearly like pain, but um, like it was a pleasure to finally see you in person, sir. And again, like you're more than welcome on the show anytime, Josh. So get inside, make it happen. Um, can I, so, can yeah. I also chip into the Josh love? I also met Josh at ASI, and he is a total sweetheart. So yeah, yeah, lovely, <laughs> lovely guy, lovely guy. Like 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 the, the, the fact he was he sent me one of the nicest tweets when he just said. One of my one of my longtime heroes, and I'm dude. Don't let this go to my head, please. <laughs> I am no hero. For God, I'm just a pokey guy who made video games and talked a lot of shit for a living. It, it, it's 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 worked out all right, to be fair. But yeah, um, again, absolute pleasure to meet you, Josh, and everybody who I managed to meet down there was absolutely lovely, well worth the time. I, I officially owe Katie a coffee because I only got to bump over about three minutes, but <laughs> it was an absolute pleasure. But uh, thanks everyone that uh, I got to meet down at Autosport. It was a great time, and hopefully I'll be back next year. Um, that, that is if the Motorsport 101 show is still around next year because who knows what could happen um, but uh, yeah hey thanks again thanks again to Autosport for inviting me down that was that was lovely that you know you seem to think that I'm some sort of media guy all of a sudden like no, nobody like nobody threw me out like nobody realised oh wait we've made a horrible mistake here so I so I assume it, it worked out quite nicely in the end Whew. Um, right that was fun this one's not going to be so fun. As um, the week before sort of on Autosport, we had a bit of sad news, unfortunately, that one of the real um, trailblazers in American motorsport sadly passed away in Dan Gurney at the age of 86 um, due to complications from pneumonia. And you know, we, we could be all sad about this, but I, I know Ryan King is very keen to talk about this. And you, you're probably just going to give us some cool shit about Gurney for the next 20 minutes, aren't you, King? Uh, probably <laughs> probably like yeah where do we start well where do we start i will say i'd say for me the perfect place to start is dan gurney's story starts out like a lot of people's stories still starts out today he was born north north shore long island new york and he graduated from high school and like a lot of people he moved to la not not choosing to you know, go out there and be famous, but his father, who was a star at the Metropolitan Opera, retired and decided to move his whole family to Riverside, California. And if you know anything about Southern California in the 1950s, it was all hot rods, indie roadsters, and that was pretty much the birthplace of Dan Gurney as we know Dan Gurney would become. And I think RJ was going to touch on something. Right. Yeah. So Dan Gurney was the fir- one with Ferrari and Porsche in one. So win for either one of those marks in your career, you've pretty much rated as a driver. To do to do it for both drivers, to do it for both manufacturers in your career is pretty awesome. Um, as uh, as Fred Smith put it on Twitter, imagine if Jim Clark and Colin Chapman were the same person. That's basically what you get out of Dan Gurney who, if he had driven for a team like Lotus in their prime, would have won multiple world championships. But he did it his way. He did it by starting up his own team and through all the hardships that all American racers face in their very brief time in Formula 1, he got one of the greatest victories ever in the 1967 Belgian Grand Prix. When Jim Clark's Lotus broke down, 
Gurney swooped in to snatch the lead in an all-American built car bearing his own name. This is the this is the most recent instance and the only time this has ever happened outside of the Indianapolis 500 that an all-American built car and chassis has ever won a Formula One Grand Prix. Oh yeah, and within the same two-week span, he won the 24 hours of Le Mans for with AJ Foyt as his co-driver. And, and he also the... finished second place at the Indianapolis 500. Yeah, and in, sat on the front row. In 19 and, days. All of that in 19 yeah. days. And invented something called Champis being as well. Yes, indeed. If, if he is credited with spraying champagne on the podium. And even after his driving career ended, Gurney was still one of the great innovators as a car designer. His cars won the Indianapolis 500, particularly with Bobby Unzer in the 70s. Um, he was responsible for what is known as the white paper, which was essentially the basis of what would become championship auto racing teams, which would eventually become the golden age of American open racing, which we not only had unprecedented interest in the United States, but also wide. Dan Gurney was responsible for essentially forming the golden age of American automobile racing that we enjoyed for so many years before this. Yeah, and it's it's kind of it, it's it's hard to imagine a world without Dan Gurney because world without Dan Gurney would probably be like uh, a world where kind of the world where Indianapolis kind of wished it wish you know we had where the center of racing in America is Indianapolis. We don't have that really because uh, like Toyota, their racing program is still based in Southern California, as well as Honda's racing program, the HPDs, Southern California, like all American racers are still, you know, a relevant company today. Their most recent, the most recent major racing program was the Delta wing. They manufactured the Delta wing. Right. He, he, there's a gurney flap. It bears his name. It was a big deal in terms of, racing aerodynamics particularly in the 70s and 80s better the alligator bike because dan gurney was six foot four dan gurney was about justin wilson's height at a time where way before there was a discussion of being too big for formula one dan gurney was arguably too big for formula one it didn't matter he was still winning races yeah he was the only driver as zoe will tell you he was the only driver that the late great jim clark ever feared and jim clark was arguably if the greatest driver of his era not maybe one of the greatest drivers of all time. Mario Andretti, the man most synonymous with auto racing around the world, considers Dan Gurney to be his hero. Yeah, and like Dan Gurney pretty much won in nearly everything in Formula One and IndyCar. He never won the 500, finished second twice, but he's got races, wins elsewhere. He's won in NASCAR. He nearly yeah. he nearly won a British touring car race. Like, come on. <laughs> His, his Eagle Mark III Toyota was so dominant that it won every race that it entered in 1993. And the only reason it didn't win every race is because Toyota just decided not to sponsor them for one random race at Road America. Yeah. And it was I'd... pretty much credited for killing IMSA's GPT, GTP class. Another you thing can... to add... If it wasn't for Dan Gurney, we probably would have had one of the most dominating engines that ever graced F1. Because if it wasn't for him, Colin Chapman wouldn't have gone to Indy, he wouldn't have met with Ford, and then eventually convinced Ford to help Cosworth make the D DFE. <laughs> yeah. 
because Dan Gurney convinced Colin Chapman that, you know, mid-engine car might do well at Indianapolis. <laughs> and and by convince it was pay for the flights, pay for the hotels, <laughs> pay for his race tickets, for his attending tickets. He literally paid for everything. Yes. <laughs> to get Colin to go there. Yeah, and that was, I would probably say, like, early 60s Dan Gurney was probably at his peak popularity because uh, 95 was probably like when he was when he founded all American racers but in I mean in 65 in 64 in the May issue of car and driver magazine there was a full page editorial saying that we're tired of all these candidates out there running for president let's have a true American run for president Dan Gurney for president (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> despite Dan Gurney being under the age of 35 making him ineligible to run for president of the United States oh and, and we're probably only just scratching the surface he was responsible for the construction and the, uh, the leadership of what is now Barber Motorsports Park Birmingham Alabama there is a segment of the Barber Vintage Museum that's dedicated to Dan Gurney and his cars um goodness gracious winner in trans am winner in pretty much everything he ever drove um that easily easily could have been a world champion in formula one and probably probably one of i would consider him to be one of the greatest drivers that never won the world drivers championship because and that doesn't even do justice to the legacy that he leaves behind not just as a driver but also as an innovator car builder just more just bike builder really, Right. He just, because of his height, as much as he he did enjoy motorcycling, he had the issue of he's so tall it hurt his back. But I, so he designed the alligator. It's like, it's almost like Dan Gurney chose not to win a world championship. Like at during his time at Ferrari, he he chose to leave Ferrari because he didn't like the politics at Ferrari. Went to a team that he thought was cool, new, innovative. Went to Porsche, nearly. Pretty much almost won a championship at Porsche. Like, he was, he, if he had won the German Grand Prix that year, his car had broken down about on the last lap when he was in the lead. He probably could have had a legitimate shot at the World Championship that year. But, you know, his car broke down, fails to win the World Championship. Porsche decides to leave the sport, and he's without a team, starts his own team, doesn't join, you know, another team. Could have won a World Championship. Right. Yeah, racer.com. Yeah, yeah, Brabham the first win. Pretty much the only reason why McLaren ended up being the McLaren we know today because he was willing to be a substitute after Bruce McLaren died. And pretty much after his stint at McLaren, he chose to retire from racing. Yikes. Yeah, racer.com has a wonderful multi part video series about Dan Gurney and some of the highlights of his career that you should definitely go check out. I'm, I'm, I'm bummed about this one, yeah. especially knowing the kind of legacy that he had. I mean, for me, for I, I put it best on a while back you can, you can have the Lotus 49, you can have the Ferrari 156. Give me the Eagle T1G, the Mark One, and mm-hmm. it's just such a beautiful car. Another thing, like the Delta Wing, after it wasn't picked to become the new Indy car, it ran them off. Picked up and said, "Build it in my ga- in my shop." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, build it in my shop. Take it to Lamar. 
it had it, it never had the practical success but it was still quintessentially something something unique in a time mm-hmm. where there's not a whole lot of uniqueness and that's kind of what dan Dury was as a driver as a competitor he was one of the last drivers who could get into anything drive any sort of car and win in any sort of car we don't have many of those drivers from that generation left of the ones that survived that era of racing we have even fewer drivers like that nowadays yeah we, mm-hmm. we probably have no drivers left nowadays that could do that and build cars that could compete in all those types of series. If you win either Belgian Grand Prix or the 24 Hours of Le Mans, you've, you've made it. If you do both in a span of two weeks, that's unheard of. Yeah. Uh, all I can say left is Dan was working on a biography when he passed away. Hopefully that they're able to put together, you know, the completed portions into something and publish it. Yeah, that'll be great. Um, I probably my favorite quote, um, because obviously Jim considered him his greatest rival. Even at his funeral, his father said to Dan, "You were the one my son feared." But there was a quote that apparently went. The one man I fear is Dan Gurney, and that's because one of these times in extreme braking, that head of his is going to snap off that gira- giraffe neck he has and hit the driver in front. Me. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Which, I think, it's like, he was one of the best. He never had, when it came to racing, never quite had the chance he should have, or the moment in the light he should have, but he was always there. <laughs> In stuff. Um, I, I, I mostly sat back on it. I was like, you know, I'm just going to let KJ this one um, because I would never be able to do Dan Justice in that sense. Um, I, I, I know I'd like to do King. Like, yeah. I know we're going to start, we know we're going to start work on this later this year, but how about we make him the Emperor of Mount Nivel on top of that? Maybe. What do you mean, maybe? <laughs> You're just talking about hyping him up! Seeking, <laughs> you're such a degenerate. <laughs> right. Well, we had some actual racing content, and we have a wonderful guest that's here to talk about Marrakesh. It's not happening at the same time as Brazil. This is me, yes? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so we we had um, Formula E uh, return for its third race of season four around Marrakesh. And Mm -hmm. um, Felix Rosenquist managed to steal the lead from Buemi with only a few laps to go and take a stunning victory. Yeah, it's like, gosh, that was like, like, I remember what we were live phone at the time and i was at autosport watching it like just after the downforce uk awards had finished it was it was me lewis and big mac going around the phone watching the finale we saw felix's party we're like whoa <laughs> it but, was uh, it was brilliant um and it's so nice to actually see the lead of a race being battled for because although you do sit in formally quite a lot i feel sometimes in other championships sometimes it's a case of person qualifies on pole wins the race so it's quite nice to have that in formulary you know we can say that actually 
there are fights for victories. I mean, it happens in IndyCar, but that's IndyCar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, King's that guy. That guy. That guy. <laughs> also, the task for the win didn't require fan boost. Oh, my. I know! No, well, str- strangely enough, apparently someone's fan boost wasn't working in Marrakesh. Cough, cough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Mr. Sebastian Bleming, and he let the whole world know about it. <laughs> Are we sure he wasn't underneath the... the not, not bad. <laughs> no, like, apparently there was an issue with his car, because uh, his car that was going to be his, you know, the second stint car wasn't going to be the second stint car. It was going to be his first stint car. But because they swapped it around, they didn't have fan boost fixed in that car. So when he went to deploy it, nothing happened. How do you, how do you mess that up? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good question. I don't know how you messed it up, but... I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's so... not a good race for Lucas Degrassi. Yeah. I mean, I want to know, talking of messing things up, how people can forget to put stickers on certain <laughs> parts of the car and then get your driver disqualified. I want to know how that happens. Oh, there there's oh, a lot of things, a lot of things. Uh, yeah, Lucas Agrassi had, you know, battery, battery management issues, which caused his car not to really be going as quickly as it did in qualifying. So he quickly dropped from fourth place to not in contention for anything. Then later on, we had Sam Bird, who seemingly seemed like he was going to be in contention for this win. His car screeches to a halt with, uh, I, I don't even what actually happened to Sam Bird's car. Just, you know. Yeah, he ended up finishing third, but way out of contention and almost got over by Nelsinho PK for third place. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's seeming more and more that this championship for, well, Renault and Audi, it seems to be like how can how, what new and innovative ways can we lose the drive? Can we lose both the drivers and the team's championships this year? Because man, it, it really seems like it's finally happening. It, it feels like it, it's Felix Rosenquist's year, guys. It just feels like it's this year. It, it is the year of driver for hire. It is it is a thing. It is a thing that is among us. Driver for hire will get there. Like it's it's on though. It's it's looking like it's on. Um, championship leader through three rounds. He's looked. So, I mean, you could maybe make the case from the end of last season. He was looking like he was in this sort of form where he could win almost any race on paper. Um, gosh, he's 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 getting up there now, isn't that right, guys? But it's also weird to think that his closest title, like. His title rival right now isn't Sebastian Buemi. It isn't Lucas Degrassi. It's Sam Bird. It's Sam what? Bird and it's John Eric Fern, and they're all within 11 points of each other as we go to the Latin American rounds. And I, I think it's absolutely mad to think that Lucas Degrassi isn't even in the top 10 of the championship. He, he doesn't have a point. point. He doesn't have That's... a point. <laughs> he doesn't have a point. <laughs> Should we point out how how Nelson Piquet's season as reigning champion went? Wonder if it's just going to be a repeat. I, I think he's tried to to get rid of that one from the history books. Yeah. 
I mean, he does like to remind people when, remember, uh, a tweet that the series put out. It was like, could could Buemi or or Degrassi become the series' first multiple-time champion? And then, like, <laughs> then that was when you guys like, Hi, I guys, want... I'm over here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we, we should call, like, tr- desperately trying to feign relevance, we should call EK-itis. Um, <laughs> but... Uh... But um, yeah, yeah, that is a very, very good point about about Nelson's title defense. I've actually forgotten about that one, and probably for good reason. that I forgot about that one for a minute there. But um, yeah, Sam Bird looks like as well. He's this guy's going to be right up there as well. Again, another guy that's always been in or around the top at Formula E. Just maybe just not for an entire season. He's been able to put it all together, and maybe this yeah. is the year for for, for, you know, for where you have to play Bird is the word almost every week on this podcast. But I because... mean, we, we still have a ways to go this year. Like, Renault and Audi, they're both extremely fast, but they are. But the reliability is atrocious. The reliability is bad, and Daniel Apt was too busy taking half the competitors to track during this past race. Like, Daniel, calm it down two notches, man. It's like the the bumpy cave to Alex Lynn. I was like, oh, I spat on my drink when I first saw that. I was like, Daniel, what are you doing? <laughs> also, Pachito back. Yay! I oh, just Yay! number one fan of it. <laughs> no, I like Lopez. And I just think that it was absolutely brilliant that he came in and completely blitzed it in the, uh, in the Dragon. Yeah, yeah the, 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 and, that, and that is a team that, you know, a lot of people it wanted. Yeah, it's it's struggled, and a lot of people want to see that team do well. Um, especially given last year the uh, Duval D'Ambrosio partnership was a, was a fun one, and that just didn't work out so much this year. Anyone that's seen Jalopnik will know about Faraday Future and the issues they've had, lack of money to say the to say the least. Mm. But um, yeah, yeah. yeah so. he came in um, after Neil Jenny sort of just announced he was off. So yeah. they they. Uh, <laughs> in Lopez, which how, I'm, I'm very glad about. How, how convenient yeah. he left, like, just a couple days or so after Porsche was like, you know, Dragon, this thing isn't going to work out. Yeah, exactly. No, but hello, at least that was another big name that we, well, not we, I'm not part of Formula E, like, I just write about it, but Formula E have managed to get into the series, which is, is always good. And yeah, Tom Blomquist looked genuinely impressive in his first race, I felt. Mm. And Dreddy got points. <laughs> Dreddy, <laughs> it's a miracle. <laughs> someone, <laughs> someone hold the door open for Zoe. She's far too happy about this. <laughs> it's just not frustrating, but that Blancvist, although he made his Formula E debut and managed, you know, to score these points, that poor De Costa once again got left out and found himself in fourteenth. That guy just can't one, one of these get days. his lucky break. Yeah, it was yeah, one, one of the, um, the points, and then it was the um, the safety car ruined his yeah. part. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mitch Evans also got caught out by the full course yellow, um, having to pit that lap earlier, and then yeah, lost it to the to everybody else pitting at the same time, which was annoying for him. I think he was in yeah, sixth before before the full course yellow came out actually, so it could have been quite a good race for him. 
We, it'll now be known as the salty, like half half planned full course he had to ride around the pit window because, of course, um, <laughs> well, well, one of these one of these days books will be written about and Antonio Felix da Costa's awful luck in Formula E so far since since he's been there from the very start, and it's just been one bad luck story after another yeah. with, with the poor guy. One of these days he will catch his break. Um, it just doesn't. <laughs> it just wasn't. That. It just wasn't this past weekend. Um, Every time I've talked to him he's been like well you know it hasn't been quite the uh the season that i wanted or it hasn't been the race that i wanted and yeah he just he just isn't having the luck that he deserves because god he is a bloody talented driver and he should be he should be if not like in the podium like winning because he's 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 been there since the beginning and you know he has won a race before but i don't know i just feel like i hope he doesn't like this doesn't discourage him. I don't want him to leave the championship, but I yeah. don't know. It's he, not great for him, is it? He's been a staple of the series from the very start, and I, mm. and I know that. I, I remember. I think the. I mean, Kate Walk and dominated the title. Like Bremi and the Grassi, the drivers did. A, I think the team bosses did a poll of who they thought the best drivers were in the series, and I'm pretty darn sure that season they put, but they put Anthony Vincent Costa in their third behind the big two of Bremi and Degrassi, basically, yeah. which says a lot that he, at the time, I think he was driving for Team Aguri, who was still using the season one car. Mm. Um, and yeah, like, the, tr- always had tremendous upside, but has never been quite been able to put it all together. Um, so yeah, like, I absolutely agreed that one of those, that, you know, he's one of those guys that absolutely deserves a, a, a fair shake, and it just hasn't quite happened for him in Formula E to date. I mean, we, we mentioned it a little bit earlier, but and some of the bad luck he's had, obviously Audi's awful reliability and the fact he has no rounds. He probably didn't like to hear this news very much, that the fact that, uh, oh wait, Formula E are not replacing Montreal, which we, we know got cancelled yeah. about two weeks ago. Yes. That that season finale will not be replaced. So that's now two left to catch up with. Yes. Oh dear. The season just got two races shorter, and somewhere Alejandro Agag is kind of happy that the season finale is now in New York. Yeah, yeah. like, like, like what's like, that's not too bad a scenario. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we got. I mean, it could have ended up in Birmingham. Oh my god. <laughs> it could have probably I mean, I ended up in Indianapolis. I'm for Glasgow. I'm so <laughs> for Glasgow and Rio. Own like Homer suggestions right there. Like everyone just. Said, Sure, Birmingham, sure, Glasgow, all you get that wet race that Formula E so desperately needs, apparently. <laughs> oh hey, New York yeah, was you want, almost you a wet holiday, race. If you're looking to go on holiday, just follow Formula E round because everywhere you go, there never seems to be any rain. It's bloody brilliant. Yeah. I, I never remember. have to pack a raincoat. It's great. Yeah, like the weirdest thing last year during the New York weekend, Friday, pouring rain. Next day, Saturday, there's not a single cloud in the goddamn sky. <laughs> the, the, the racing gods were blessing. like, no, no. Hashtag blessed. That is what the championship is. <laughs> but, oh, I, I'm not excited that the season finale is in New York. I'm, I'm sorry. My hometown does not need this. Really, King? Like... Second ever race. <laughs> Hard even... Part of a race in the oh history of New York. It's, 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 just... <laughs> it's great to see New York City finally see a stage where a spring championship can be decided within its boundaries. 
<laughs> oh my god but yeah like i i did not like the track uh, the, the track doesn't seem racy and it like it is not very large <laughs> it is not a good racetrack that's what i'm trying to say thoughts on santiago that's the next round coming up in february the third yeah and um, with formula e going to chile isn't that all right yes mm-hmm. yes uh, i've seen the circuit it's good yeah it's it's quite interesting it's quite twisty and turny and then you've got the the mega straight from turn two to turn three which should prove interesting but yeah dive bomb uh, dive bomb dive. <laughs> yeah. I, I just hope they have the podium that they had at marrakesh back oh the video uh, well, it wasn't just that, it was how tall it was. Yes, it was <laughs> massive. Like, Rosenquist had to get, I'm sure, like some sort of ladder or maybe a boost no, no. to get onto that top one. No, no, there, there, there were stairs around the back, but he was like, screw it, I'm going to climb up the front. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if you... Oh, sorry, you guys go first. On you go. I was going to say, I don't know if you managed to catch the Channel 5 coverage of the race, but um, Vernon Kay, who is a very tall uh, presenter, managed to get yeah. Sam Bird to stand on a plastic red chair, like a garden chair, <laughs> <laughs> to do an interview on. And fair play to Sam. Like, he took it all in his stride, but it is quite amusing mm. when they're talking to maybe Alex Lynn, Sam, who's normally in the middle, and Vernon Kay, Alex and, and Vernon, who were like probably, well, Vernon's probably way over six foot. And poor little Diddy Sandbird. Well, Vernon Kay's taller than Jack and uh, Bob. Yeah. And they're not exactly really? tiny guys. Well, I mean, Jay, you've met me now, so you can see me for the short person well, yeah. that I am. <laughs> I am tiny, and Sandbird yeah, and, and Felix are only a smidgen taller than me. So, yeah. Which is great for me because like, I can make eye contact with them and it's absolutely fine. But Katie sit in a stand is real high. I can actually live him. Like the <laughs> neck when you met me in person, Katie, because I'm like 6'2 myself. So it's like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. I try and cover up with like, heel boots or something like that. But I think I'm just going to have to resort to walking around in stilts or something. It's just getting a bit silly. <laughs> now get some nice platform shoes. Yeah, funky platforms. <laughs> You'll see me coming from like three miles away. Just, just, just steal Zoe. Just, just buy like fourteen pairs of vans instead. You'll be fine. <laughs> just have two Formula One drivers drivers and Formula E drivers in one large trench coat. But a little bit more Formula even before we move on to Formula One stuff for a little bit. Uh, we could be having another. Like, it looks like we're going. to teams next year um which will effectively be season five um king tell us a little bit more about that yes it's it seems like mercedes soon to be former dtm team hwa are going to enter a team next year but it's not going to be a mercedes factory team they're going to probably be using venturi powertrains and it's it's partially strange because it's not clear whether Venturi or HWA is going to be Mercedes factory team. And in the next season, season six, we're going to have a proper Mercedes factory team. We're going to have a Porsche factory team. But there's a limit on how many cars the FIA will let Formula E run at 24. So, at, yeah. Yeah, we're creeping up to that limit here. Yeah, 13 teams can't fit in the 24 grid spots. 
Like, it doesn't... <laughs> like... So, so Mugs are going to be sitting there going like, so who do we have to buy here? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. It's like, yo, we're buying you out, bro. <laughs> yeah, taking a look at HWA's history of Mercedes-Benz, they ran Mercedes GT1 program in the late 90s with the CLK GTR. Of course, they had great success in DTM, up to and including Pascal Verlein's championship victory in 2015 and Paul DeRest's in 2010. So mm-hmm. they've got some very relevant experience. Heck, that's pretty That's pretty much as close as you could get to a Mercedes back routine without actually having Mercedes in the name. Yeah. And, you know, they, they build Mercedes engines for Formula 3. They they manage their cars that they don't run in DTM. It's, it's hard to see that... It'd be weird if Mercedes came in the series and be like, Venturi, you're the factory team now, HWA, you just do your own thing. Def, definitely. <laughs> Though Venturi so, already has Mercedes drivers. Yeah, it's true. Also, one more thing I've got to point out before we move on into... um. For- Anybody see, like, the stewards' press release about Lucas Degrassi having to show Leonardo DiCaprio around? <laughs> Is that I anyone who saw that? I, I know he was there. He was looking very suspicious in, like, his little cap and sunglasses and they also had orlando bloom who i think went round in like the the spark car that they've got there but yeah yeah normally they have some like super attractive female model and el hamburger yes. gag races her around the track so now <laughs> in new york we had something different new york we had uh oh my we had chris hemsworth almost crashing the formula <gasps> eco oh, yeah, yes they remember that for himself <laughs> Yeah, I did see that. Like, like that was like, you know, what's funny? Like, the stewards had to have like a special press release about this because the teams got suspicious that Lucas was going to get extra track time by driving Leonardo around the track. But they said, "Don't worry, guys. We wouldn't normally allow this, but it's okay. We will make sure Lucas's laps aren't that quick." <laughs> Basically, which I thought was funny. He's like. What's the reason why this is happening? Oh, yeah, they're driving Leonardo DiCaprio around. Oh, no big deal. (laughs) I was quite surprised to see Leonardo DiCaprio back because he had some involvement in Venturi in season one. Um, And then I guess with their performance, it it wasn't up to what they they thought it was going to be. And as far as I'm aware, he actually sort of distanced himself from the team. So I thought that was sort of his Formula E relationship done. So it it was quite nice to see him, him there. But, I mean, he's a big promoter of green energy and saving the world and all that jazz so yeah apparently <laughs> apparently he's there. filming a documentary okay it'll nice. probably be on netflix or something <laughs> in the near future i don't know it's the way it's netflix is the future or maybe it is already the future <laughs> well you know it's not gonna be on netflix formula one. Oh, that's yeah that's true <laughs> sigh what do you mean we can't do F1 and chill? <laughs> F1 and chill. Is, 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 that, is that not the dream, though, King? Surely that's the dream. Ba- based, like, based on the quality of races, it would be a little bit of F1 and a whole lot of chill. Well, to be fair, have you ever seen that scene in the film Train Spotted? Where it's. <laughs> you know the one. <laughs> yeah. 
where, where Ewan is doing it to the, to the tune of Archie Gemmel scoring for Scotland. That would basically be me with a Sebastian Vettel victory. <laughs> oh, God. Let's just move on, please. I'm so lost. I've never seen Trainspotting, and my imagination is going wild. Uh, j- oh. J- just take it to the gutter, and you, you, you're on the spot. And dispose of it, yeah. <laughs> I, I find it to be a highly educational... <laughs> anyway, Formula One stuff. <laughs> and, uh, well, guys, the 2018 grid is complete. Like, Yay! We have it. We have, we have our last name, and uh, Williams for literally several weeks. Um, it turns out the worst-kept secret left in Formula One was revealed, and Sergei Sorokin will be taking the second and final Williams seat as Lance Stroll's teammate. Um, a moment of silence for Robert Kubica, who didn't quite... And Paul DeResta, you can't forget Paul DeResta. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I don't know, based on what Paul DeResta said during the Formula E test, where the car isn't as bad as everyone said it was, meaning he, he knew. Please he, he sign knew. me. <laughs> he, he, he wasn't here for this, so yeah, a, a moment of silence. Rest for not making it in. Okay, that's enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, but but uh, yeah, Sergey did make it around as with reserve driver. So hey, like on, as a quick side note, like for for people that didn't like this announcement for Robert, I will say that is still an unbelievable achievement for a guy mm-hmm. whose career really should have ended when they had that accident. The fact he's even made it this far is a testament to the man's determination I mean, and ability. So uh, for me, I still consider that to be a happy ending for Robert, even if this, even if this is as far as it goes in terms and of his dream. he still has the option to race in 2019, according to a recent release from Williams. Mm, that, that is, I'd take the biggest grain of salt, because it was, during, yeah. it was made during an event, like a joint event between Williams and SMP Bank in Moscow. To say that he had a chance at 2019 is the most, like, like at the same event, they also said that Sergei Sorokin was going to be at the team for many years. Right. They also That's... said that pigs fly. <laughs> no one said that, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is... It was off the record, yeah? Uh, of course, yeah, yeah. On, on the download. In, uh, yeah, on the yeah, download. Yeah. Yeah, we don't, we don't speak about it around here. But um, yeah, Sergey is in, and I know like the inevitable wave of disappointment washed over Twitter as this was announced last week. Um, I kind of missed most of it because I, w- I was too busy having a ink-based needle drilled into my arm that day. But better choice, uh, better choice. slightly better choice, I, I will say. Um, like like nails on a chalkboard. Was that but, your uh, uh, your tattoo and tribute of Robert Kubica, or? <laughs> Of, of course. Of your arm, yeah. Yeah, be- because of my days on the internet, I, I designed a picture of a slightly balding man on because like, I've had many experience of saying these things about people on the internet and I've been in trouble for it. So, like, hey, this is my tribute to Robert <laughs> Kubica and that other thing. <laughs> but, but, um, yeah, but, um, yeah, turns out that, you know, there was obviously an inevitable way of disappointment, but um, as RJ O'Connor will now demonstrate, like, guys, Sergei Sorokin is still really good, you know? Like... <laughs> yeah, um, let me run down the list of every GP2 series season, and I'm going to run down the four human beings 
that finished higher than Sergei Sorokin in his two full season of what have now Formula 2. Stoffel Van Dorn, already in Formula 1. Pierre Gasly, already in Formula 1. Alexander Rossi won the Indianapolis 500 on debut. Antonio Giovinazzi, everyone agrees, probably should be in Formula 1 and is one of the people that were suggested as an alternative to Sergei Sorokin. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. he's not won a single-seater championship, but he's better than a lot of people give him credit for. Yeah. And he was going to be in the frame for an LMP1 drive if this didn't go through anyway. And he's still just 22 years of age. Of course, now the trouble is that Williams are now really gambling on youth. Mm. With no, not, Sorotkin being if, 22 and Stroll being a 19-year-old sophomore. Is it really? Is it really that big of a gamble, though? Because with... What, what Sergei Sorokin lacks in skill, which is not that much, he makes up with he makes up for with SMP bank funding. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like that can get you really far. We've seen other drivers with that same combination, like IndyCar driver <laughs> Mikhail Ocean. Like, yes, he paid for his seat, but he's a really great driver. Yeah, yeah, like, funding and talent can be, like, mutually exclusive events. Like, like if anything, the bad further highlight that example that, hey, like, you can be well-funded and be a really good driver, too. Isn't that kind of the whole point of getting to F1 in the first place? Like, you need to have great financial backing. And I've always said it, it's like, under any other, any other circumstance, right, if somebody had made it to Formula 1 with, with Sergei Sorokin's resume... Like, we'd be like, yeah, this is a great, exciting, you know, young hiring for, you know, a, a good F1 team, a team that's not a bottom feeder, a team that's in the midfield and can score points on a regular basis. We'd be applauding this, but because it's not the guy we want it to be, it's like, pay driver, pay driver. Somebody press the play driver klaxon. And I don't buy into that at all because Sergei Sorokin's a great talent and, like, half of these dudes were making the same jokes about Lance Stroll this time last year and then, oh, wait... Lance Stroll turned out to be pretty good last year. I Like, asterisk, one of these people may or may not have been me. Um, <laughs> close brackets. But um, it's, it's one of those things where, listen, those who fail to heed history are doomed to repeat it. And I think Sergei's a great talent, and I think it's a great fit for him. And I think he'll do great. I really do. Um, he's always been fast, and he's got a good team to show his speed. And, yeah, RJ's right. You're going to be gambling a lot here on on youth as well and you know but they need the funding because we all know that williams's biggest issue is they struggle to keep up with the big teams in terms of development costs and hopefully that's a nudge in the right direction at least that's my logic going into it i don't know what you guys think yeah in terms of pure talent maybe sergey's reckon is not the best option like hey there's pascal verlein he's right there yes. but you know for the value this is not terrible this is not terrible at all. It actually, it's great. This is what I like to think, definitely. Like, okay, it's not the absolute number one option. Still gutted that uh, Pascal Verlein probably, oh, well, now nah, we know, definitely will not be in Formula 1 next year. Even though that writing was kind of on the wall a little while ago. Um, it's it's not a bad option. And again, I think, I think if the circumstances weren't quite so littered with other drivers, was that you know the, the, a lot of people on the F1 Twitter sphere like you know like Robert Kubica and obviously his great story and Pascal Verlein who by all accounts by looks of it looks like he was, he got the raw end of the stick at Mercedes mm. 
Um, it, it makes the Sorokin hire look a little bit unfavorable. Where I think I don't think it would have been quite so laughable if if Pascal was in F one too, or Giovinazzi was in F one as well. And you know, it's I think I think Sergey's a victim of circumstance here more than anything else. But hopefully, it'll work out for him. And you know, hopefully, like year two of, of Paddy Lowe at Williams will will give him a little something. I'd like to see them and Force Cindy have a proper fight for that fourth place spot at the moment. Um, that would be quite fun rather than just seeing Perez and Ocon in seventh and eighth place every other round, basically. <laughs> Though it's but, probably uh, not going to be Force India. It's probably just going to be Force Formula One team, according to a recent um, registration with the uh, the UK company's house. Yeah, did see that. They're, they're going to rename it Force um, by, 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 the, by the terms of it, uh, which is actually quite clever. <laughs> I know I think about it. It's like, ah. Him. That works. That's quite cool. <laughs> but, we have um, some uh, we have some strategy group decisions. Oh, that's strategy group. Always strategizing. Yep. Yep. Strategic group decisions for 2019, not not 2018. Uh, we'll look to see finally a driver weight limit, meaning that it'll most likely be a uh, 80 kilo weight limit where pretty much the driver's weight plus ballast has to equal 80 kilos and other decision the body work has to be made cleaner for advertisers so the barge boards at the front of the car have to be shorter and a single plane and so does the the rear wing end plates they don't have to have those you know the window slats that you're used to seeing and the irony is that reshaping the bodywork to make it more advertiser friendly might actually make it better for the racing in the long term. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. Like, there were other options huh? on the table that they also <laughs> wanted to do. They wanted to limit the number of front wing elements to make it cleaner for advertisers to use. And I'm like, this could be like advertising capitalism might save Formula One. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought that? <laughs> couple of disgruntled voices on Twitter, as always. Well, like, in other words, it's a day that ends in Y, basically. Yes. Um, it's like, you, you do realise part of the, like, one of the reasons like Wings became so big at one point was because they could stick all the sponsors on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the, the driver weight limit, it's going to solve a lot of issues that Formula 1 has been having with, you know, teams basically saying, our car is heavy, so hey driver, you're going to have to go on a diet like really big time. Yeah, they're yeah. already crash dying. It's it's getting to be about as bad as like MMA fighters rushing to make the weight cut and passing out in the sauna. It's bad. Yeah, so basically they just took IndyCar's solution. So IndyCar always had, you know, issues with drivers in various like weight sizes if you compare like Juan Paulo Montoya to Takuma Sato like I know Takuma Sato is like 135 pounds Jesus it's almost Danny Pedrosa level of skinny good lord um, so, so basically they mandate that the ballast has to be in the floor of the car I haven't seen any complaints about I've seen one complaint I just like from someone who I thought it was going to come it was going to like from Autosport Gary Anderson basically said that it's not it, it will still give some kind of advantage because the weight is in the floor of the car which is lower than the center of gravity for drivers where it's not that big of a difference because the ballast is only going to be a couple pounds or so 
yeah, like they're clutching at straws. I think the health and safety of the drivers. In fact, I still remember many a horror story coming out from people like Adrian Sutil, who's one of the bigger F1 drivers we've had in recent times, saying he had to basically starve himself to be able to to race um, according to the weight to the weight and ballast concerns and whatnot. I know. Uh, Mark Webber has always said that he's had to starve himself and basically, you know, go on like 800 calorie a day diets to to fit right. into the car because of how that big he is. Of course, the pervasive rumor that Nico Hulkenberg couldn't get top rides because they always thought he was large at like five foot ten at 155 pounds. Yeah, he's five eleven, like Nico Hulkenberg. Like, oh my god, he's five eleven on a good day. Like, 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 why, like why and that's he, apparently too big. Why didn't he play pro basketball? <laughs> I know, right? Like, like, look, look, look at Steph Curry. I mean, he's only six three after all. <laughs> Esteban Ocon is six one. He's deceptively large for this. Yeah. Jesus, I, I had no idea Ocon was six one. Like, holy cow! Uh, You're starting um, center for the Formula One intermediate team. <laughs> It's it, it's French Shack. <laughs> oh dear, that, that, that's that's crazy. But um, also yeah. folding into this were the ongoing discussions for what I'd like to call Cost Cap 3.0. I was like, we're, we're doing this again, King. We're doing this again. <laughs> yep. Uh, not much has been brought up about details, but recently Formula One management have obtain the services of one Martin Whitmarsh to see how enforcing a cost cap would work. Hey, Whitmarsh is back. Hey, nice. <laughs> but, um, like, okay, like, in a pipe dream, we've always sort of said, yeah, cost cap, you know, could be great, but we all know that it's pretty unpractical, really, isn't it? I, mm, I don't know. Because the NFL makes off, like, American sports makes out just fine. It's pretty much, we have a salary cap, there's no way around this, you can't give, like, there's no way around the salary, you can't give a driver, like, their salary, like, a max salary, plus, like, a house on the side. That does, that's against the rules, it's violating the salary cap, can't do that. It, like, it... I don't know if it's the American in me, but it's like, if it works here, I'm pretty sure it could work in Formula 1. Yeah, it's just, it's never been able, we've never been able to quite work, unfortunately. And, like, what would it take, King? I mean, apart from, you know, the big teams agreeing to this, which they would never agree to this, <laughs> which is which is definitely going to be part of the problem here, because why on earth would, would, would the big factories that are dropping 200 million a year on their F1 cars agree to spend less? when the marketing value of winning the title is obviously so much more. <laughs> like, Oh, it, it would take someone spending... Like that, that's the... It would take someone spending an obscene amount of money that they know that there's no possible way they can get back. Like, if Ford tomorrow said, we're launching a Formula One team, and we're going to spend $500 million a year, which is twice as much as any other team, then you would might see some progress. But no team likes burning that much cash into a black hole, like, and for good reason. Like, <laughs> like that 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 would be obscene. But yeah. it, it's it's creeping. Because I remember somebody wrote a report like, like the year that Mercedes won the championship first time around in 2014. The first since the first of the hybrid era is they 
that they as a team lost 77 million pounds in terms of just looking at the pure balance sheet. They lost 77 mil. But Mercs were like, hey, that's okay because the marketing value of us winning the title was worth two billion pounds. Which, so- like, again, on paper, that's the, the manufacturer's argument against the cost cap because they get right. to see that money back. A team like Williams will never see that money back. They don't get marketing value from this. They don't sell consumer automobiles. Nope. But they, they do have really a Martini liver, which is <laughs> just as good as paying for a hotel and exposure. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I did see that story. Oh, God. Um, yeah, but they also kits you know gotta 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 get those merch sales up but yeah you're quite right i mean if you're not a factory team that's got you know cars to sell or a really big product worth worth flogging then you're not gonna get yeah yeah exactly or if you're red bull who can sponsor everything on god's green earth you're not gonna see a return on that investment um so i mean I, I I I want there to be a cost cap. That would be great. I mean, I would love to see a, a, a obviously a more competitive Formula One. Yeah, that's obviously the dream, but I think we're still a long way away from that. Like, hopefully, someone really clever like Marsh might be able to figure this out. I don't know, man. <laughs> Martin Whitmarsh wasn't able to win America's Cup. He he ain't clever to me. No, <laughs> he he was too busy fiddling around on, on the suspension. <laughs> yeah. uh, like on second thought guys this might not be such a good idea <laughs> it's been fun but um hey cost cap 3.0 we'll, we'll check back if anything interesting actually happens this time you know besides maybe trying to hook in three new f1 teams and then suddenly the dream there'll actually be a cost cap that never actually happened in the end yay <laughs> I'll, never, uh, I'll never forget hrt <laughs> Never. We, we, we wouldn't have Daniel Ricciardo if it wasn't Happy Face or something. I know how much you love him and his fan base. Oh, no. Let, let's let's wrap this up. Let's not talk about Daniel Ricciardo. <laughs> I think it might be a good time to give the final word to Katie, our wonderful guest. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank yeah. you very much for having me. Shamelessly plug yourself for the next two minutes. Be my guest. Oh, God. Um, so, yeah, you can find me um, on katiefairman.com, which is where I post most of my content. I also do the occasional post, uh, the ar- occasional article for Autosport and Motorsport.com. Um, woohoo! <laughs> I will be covering quite a bit of Formula E this year. This week I have booked my tickets and flights to Rome, Zurich, and also Berlin. So that's exciting. Nice. And you can follow all the adventures um, on my social media. Um, I'm more like prominent on Twitter, which is just at Katie Fairman. And that's Katie spelt with a Y because yeah. I I don't know. I just guess I like the American spelling when I was younger. <laughs> So Wait, it's yeah. That's American. That ain't American. Yeah, yeah. Kate, I'm sure Katie, i.e., is the English spelling, and Katie with the Y is the American. That's what I've been told, anyway. Well, I've, that's not hmm. true. That's not, been, <laughs> that's not true. All these 22 years of my life, I've been lied to. Yeah, that's that's like, like only Katie Perry, and that's it. Oh. Yeah, because like as soon as you said that, I thought, wait, isn't Katie Ledecky spelled with an IE? And I was, <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh wait a minute, but uh, so Katie's been lied to. She's been sold the American dream. Uh, what a I shame. have, 
Oh, well, now everybody will remember me. They'll be like, oh, yeah, that idiot that thinks Katie is a wise American. (laughs) Once again, we can blame Ryan King for this one. Um... (laughs) So, yeah, that is... Yep, that's everything. Yep. Katie, of course, you're welcome back anytime, of course. Um, Please keep us posted on all your adventures in in your regard in Formula E and any more stories of Phoenix being chased with a bee, I will greatly appreciate. Uh, (laughs) That is potential future Super GT champion Felix Rosenquist having been spotted at a test at Fuji Speedway and don't tell anybody under cover of dark. Nice. <laughs> Hashtag drive for hire, still doing the Lord's work, I see. Uh, <laughs> drive for to... hire, rides on. Yes, sir. And that is the end of part one, you could say, of this two-parter of the or Motorsport 101 two. podcast. Yeah, or part or, two. Or part two. This is very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like... It's the end of something, but the beginning of something else. Maybe. Oh, pass me a bucket. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Listen, we're going to call this part of the recording a wrap. And, like, who knows? Like, you may have already listened to the first one, in which case, awesome. If not, you know, hey, go back and find the other part when you get a chance. Or you'll piece together and you might get one whole podcast out of this. Or something. We'll figure it out later. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>